Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that works tirelessly to bring you all the important stories from the property world. And today we're looking at what's driving a rise in activity from European real estate investors. The big active players of Korea that we saw last year, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, etc., cannot uh, make the trip uh, in, in Europe anymore, which uh, has allowed more space for the European investors. And we'll be asking what that means for sellers. What I'm definitely seeing is an appetite for investors for income which is over, say, four to five years, because the, the sort of common view seems to be that will ride us through this current period. I'm Guy Ruddle, and joining me are three people steeped in the European real estate investment market. Eri Mitsostergiu is European Director of Research at Savills. When she's not uh, appearing regularly on Real Estate Insights, she divides her time between providing market analysis internally and advising clients directly. Eri, lovely to hear you again. How have you been? Very well, Guy. Thank you. Good to be back. Great stuff. Tris Larder is also a veteran of Real Estate Insights. He's the Joint Head of Regional Investment for EMEA. Tris, nice to have you back again. Morning, Guy. Good to be back. And Oli Bamba is a newbie uh, to Real Estate Insights. He is a director in the Central London Investment Team. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Oli. Hi, Guy. Good to see you. Right, let's get into this then. European uh, investment market. Eri, how's the market been over the last six months or so, and, and I guess more recently? Um, well, uh, ironically, if you compare the investment volumes of the first half of the year uh, with the last year's activity, it's, it's, uh, it's higher. It's been a, uh, Q1 has been a, a very active quarter. Q2 of course, has seen uh, quite significant drops in, uh, in, in activity. And has the type of activity, you know, who's, who's looking at, uh, into the, in the market, who's investing, has that changed much? Yes, um, I mean, understandably, you have less uh, kind of overseas investors looking into the market, not because they don't want to, but because they cannot travel, they cannot see the assets. Uh, so we have uh, remarkably less activity from, from Asia, the, the, the big active players of uh, uh, Korea that we saw last year, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, etc., uh, can, cannot cannot make the trip uh, in in Europe anymore, which uh, has allowed more space for the European investors to to drive the activity. Really, and Tris, uh, out on the streets of Europe, so to speak, is that what you're seeing in in the in the real world? Yeah, absolutely. Eri's yeah, Eri's hit the sort of nail on the head there. But, um, the, the 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 domestic investors and the European investors are are very much filling that gap left by. The international investors at the moment. Um, this is this is their time basically, and those Asian investors are, you know, suffering from travel restrictions effectively. So it's difficult for them to get it physically get over and, and look at buildings and get into the market, and that leaves an opportunity for the Europeans and the domestic investors. There are still some coming over, but but you know we've 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 whittled it down from hundreds of investors looking into the market to let's say, five to ten who are seriously looking at the European markets, basically, you know, that just from, from the Korean side of things. And Oli, you know, in, in London, which is your, your manor, your patch, uh, is, that the, is, it, is, that the, is it this effectively the same as what Tris is saying about the, the wider European market? Yeah, more or less, Guy. I mean, you know, 2020 is going to be a, a very low volume year in London. Uh, we're seeing that come through. I mean, there's potential for a, uh, a busy Q4, uh, which we're all getting excited about. But actually, that look, that's coming off the back of a very low volume relative 2019, actually, as well. And 
And the issue there in London has, has not been a lack of buyers. It, it's, it's all about the lack of sellers. It's a lack of inventory in the market. And, and that's been frustrating the market somewhat. And that's why we're seeing these low volumes. I do wonder slightly about why there's still so much demand, though, why there's still so much appetite. I mean, I don't want to talk the market down, but we live in very, very uncertain times. Yeah, but I, I think globally it's about a flight to quality in, this, in, these, in these times. And, and actually London stands out with some of the other global gateway capital cities as, as a highly liquid, highly defensive real estate investment market. Um, you know, there's some obvious concerns, headlines flying around about the future of the offices, and let's not get into that today. But it, it, it certainly hasn't dampened, as far as we can see, the underlying demand for, for London office uh, real estate. Um, and, and actually, you know, right across the space, whether you're looking at beds or, or sheds or the like. Yeah, and Eri, would you agree with that? That you, know, if you are invest, you know, if you are an investor, you've got to think long term. You know, and and you know, if if property is, if the use of property, I mean, offices is the obvious example, but if the use of property generally is going to change, then you, are you confident that there is going to be a strong investment market? Uh, the investment market for for real estate overall uh, is and and I believe will uh, remain strong. I mean, last year we had uh, record levels of capital raised to be invested in real estate, and this has to be allocated this year. That's not to say that investors will go and buy anything. I think with the challenges, I mean, I believe that the successful really strategies are the ones that they adapt to this change. So. The, the 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 definition of core could shift uh, somehow, and and really uh, investors would be focusing on quality of uh, of markets and uh, and cities, which is uh, what Ollie was saying. It's the liquidity, is the ability of a, of a, of a market to recover quickly from shocks, uh, and the attractiveness of a city, the diverse base of uh, industries, economies that can uh, that that uh, drive the economy, and it's the quality of the building. It's uh, it's there will be focus on on buildings that uh, are uh, are contemporary, uh, have are sustainable, are adaptable, and are in locations that potentially they can be flexible enough to 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 adapt to the new needs that every situation creates. So. Yes, there is the, tr- the challenge of the future of offices. Uh, offices will, will remain uh, in, uh, in demand. And a number of surveys show that people will go back to the office. And, you know, the best buildings, we might see some secondary buildings maybe be, be less desirable, but the best buildings will still be desirable by tenants. Yeah. So I, I, I want to talk a bit more about that and about the sort of delving into the, the detail of that. But before we do that, can I just go back, Tris, to, to what Eri said about that, you know, there being a, a lot of money that needs to be invested? You know, there's what, what investors, uh, the current buzz phrase is dry powder. You know, they've, 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 they've got a lot of money. Um, is it, are we in a situation where, where actually property is a really, because interest rates are so low and other ways of, you know, other returns are so low, property, whatever the situation, is just going to be a, in, in demand? That's right. Uh, investors have uh, looked to diversify, um, looked to diversify in terms of, you know, asset class, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and real estate is one of those asset classes. And, and other, you know, if you, if you look at bonds at the moment, incredibly low. So, so if you look at the spread at the moment between government yields and real estate, there is, there is you know, there is a big margin at the moment. It, it is attractive for the right real estate is producing attractive returns to investors. And that, that will continue. 
Ollie, in your experience, where's the, where's the money coming from, not just geographically, but, you know, is it private equity or is it pension funds or is it, you know, private family offices or is it across the board? Yeah, it's more or less across the board. I mean, sure enough, you know, over in, in North America, particularly their PE funds are, uh, are raising capital at will, all pointed towards global real estate, and a huge amount of that will be allocated towards Europe and, and, and UK. Um, that's not necessarily a new phenomenon. Um, I think probably what's more interesting in, interesting in terms of driving the core market and the core pricing are, are probably the European retail institutional funds. Um, so particularly the French, particularly the Germans, but also some of the Italians and the Nordics as well. Uh, but if we look at the French and the Germans, I mean, their ability to raise capital um, into their real estate open-ended funds, you know, through their network of IFAs and local banking networks in Germany and France is just phenomenal. And when they turn the taps on and, and ask and welcome money in, um, it's they can raise, you know, billions literally of, of aggressive active retail capital in in a matter of days and weeks. So they're the ones that will really drive uh, demand for core and best in class. The UK, the, the, the Germans have invested already as much as the whole of last year. And Spain is expected to be their probably their strongest year ever. Italy, their second strongest year ever. And the French capital as well has invested almost as much as the whole of last year in Germany, Italy and the UK. So, so that's the sort of supply of, of money. Let's talk in a little bit more detail about where that money is going to go. Tris, first of all, do you think, is there a sort of geographical difference? You know, are, are some parts of Europe or some types of city going to, going to be winners and others not so much so? I think what we're likely to see, and we are seeing already, to be honest, is, is those gateway cities that Ollie alluded to earlier, um, uh, in uncertain times, it's natural for investors to revert to, A, what you know, B, what feels safe. And, and what feels safe at the moment is those major, major markets. Um, you know, the, the, obviously, the, clearly, the, one, the, the main ones at the moment are, are France and Germany. Um, uh, London is, is a big market, and Ollie can talk better about that at the moment. Um, but I'm seeing, you know, the content, in terms of continental Europe, a loss of demand for, for Germany and France. Not, not, not to say there isn't demand for some of the other you know, be it, be it Spain or Poland, et cetera. But, but there is definitely a concentration, particularly in that core cash that Ollie's referring to, to those, A, those core Western markets, then within those core Western markets, those, those core gateway cities. And Eri, if you were advising a, a, a Savills client, an investment client, are there areas where you think that the, 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 are stronger than others? Uh, well, you, you, you need to, to look at the fundamentals, but we also need, need to take into consideration uh, the, the, the strategy that each investor has. So, uh, yes, I mean, if, you, if, uh, if someone wants to, to invest in a, a long-term uh, income streams, indeed, the, the residential sectors can offer that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the fundamentals for multifamily are, are, are quite strong in, uh, in most uh, uh, large European uh, cities. And uh, the supply and demand, the demographic shifts, uh, the urbanization trends, uh, they, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the deficit of housing in, uh, in, uh, in the European cities support the argument. 
Um, I would say that, you know, prime core offices as well, as I was saying earlier, uh, they, they would still uh, be in, uh, in demand. And of course, uh, we have seen the already pre-COVID the rise uh, of, the, of the logistics and, and COVID has brought forward uh, at least three years the trend in uh, e-commerce. Uh, the share of uh, uh, online uh, retail is, is increasing, has increased uh, and will remain more elevated in, in uh, all European markets. But re retail obviously is experiencing some, uh, some repricing, which for uh, value-add uh, strategies uh, could also be an opportunity. Ollie's nodding away here in the studio. It sounds like you're all uh, as one in, in, in across pan-European across well, several. You all agree with each well, other. Well, it's interesting, Guy. I mean, you know, if you're talking about beds, so PRS multifamily um, in, in the UK markets, for example, you know, we've seen the UK institutional investor community move pretty big allocations towards beds through the, through the last five to seven years. And actually our... Savile's OCM team, operating capital markets team, have been absolutely pioneering in that market. Uh, generally, in terms of the UK market, the European players, the, the, those core European funds talking about earlier, haven't really touched the, the, the PRS market at all. But, but just like their kind of European, their UK counterparts, they're just starting to tentatively get into and start looking at UK PRS as well, which is quite interesting given the how tight the returns are. And if you if you look at a triple net return at a you know a new build, well managed uh, PRS block in London versus best in class offices in the city, your 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 office block's going to yield better probably at a four, and and your 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 new PRS block will be probably a three triple net. Do you think investors have to adopt or are likely to adopt a more nuanced approach to investing? <clears throat> and instead of looking at sort of a, a, a sub-asset class like, you know, I don't know, multifamily or, or whatever it is, they actually start being cleverer and, 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 and subtler about exactly what type of thing they do? Or do you think there's just so much money that it's just buy? Yeah, I think there's a lot of money and, and they're having to, particularly the retail money, that's got to get in the market, okay, that's got to get placed. Um, I, 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 I don't want to be unkind to our uh, institutional fund manager clients and they'd love to think that they could be super creative and go and do what they want, but fundamentally they have their lords and masters, the actuaries in the UK or the, the risk committees in, in Germany or France that, that allocate capital for them towards uh, weightings, towards use class. So... Yeah, maybe it's nuanced guy, but I think probably there's there's a bit more structure to it uh, in the background. And Tris, that I wonder what this all means. You know, if you're a seller, Ollie was saying earlier that there's a lack of in inventory. You know, that there's been a lack of sellers. It, what what does all this mean if if you are potentially a seller? It means that some sellers have been sitting on their hands, which for 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 us as as an agent is frustrating because the equity's there. Um, and there just aren't enough sellers. And, and I can understand, you know, if, you, if you read the headlines in the, in the press, you, you would sit on your hands, but, but it's not the reality on, on the streets, as you, as you refer to. Um, uh, I need more sellers. I've, I've got more than enough buyers. Um, and it's how to coax those sellers out of their shells. And it depends on, obviously, it depends on the product, because, you know, as we've sort of alluded to, um, it, it's, if, you've got the, if you've got the right product, and it's not, and it's not just, you know, super, super core, um, it can be, you know, what I'm definitely seeing is there's 
an appetite from investors for income which is over, say, four to five years, because the, the sort of common view seems to be that will ride us through this this current period of sort of health uncertainty or whatever you want to call it. Um, and and so the common view seems to be if there's enough income, four or five years, that takes us through that period, and we'll be back up on the on the uh, on the uptick again, basically. And then if you move from into you know super cool product or or long you know AAA leases, then there's enormous amounts of, of of appetite. You know, it's not it's really not uncommon to see you know 15 to 20 bids on that type of you know proper bids, uh, very aggressive bids on that type of product, basically in, in mainland Europe. So what's stopping sellers do? I mean, you know, it's a supply and demand thing, isn't it? You know, but what's stopping them good question um and i and i ask myself that question every day um i think uh, you know there's, there's there's uncertainty you know in the in the if you're sitting on investment committee at one of the big institutionals at the moment that one of the questions i think well not even i think that one of the questions i know that, that a lot of these investment committees are asking themselves are is it the right time to sell and what i mean by that is actually some of them are worrying about it's going to get more expensive um and so if we sell now the good product actually you know are we then creating a problem for ourselves in terms of we having to reinvest that equity and actually the market's going to be more expensive for that core product in six months time and that's the big worry for a lot of vendors ollie you're nodding yeah i agree tris i mean i i think perhaps earlier in the year it was a confidence piece around where is pricing, you know, where is value? Do I want to sell at that number when I'm not totally sure that that number is right or whether that's going to trend up or trend down? Uh, that sort of value discovery, price discovery kind of process that the market went through earlier in the year and frankly is probably still going through. Um, and, and then actually if I do sell, if I sell my best, you know, core income, credit income, you know, one, where do I go next or where do I recycle that? Uh, because, you know, ultimately the definition of core and core, as, as Eri alluded to earlier, is such a finite product at the moment. And we always see that in a downturn, that sort of tightening of, of the, de- the true definition of core. So I think it's a bit of a confidence piece. And also, you know, actually, I- I'd probably rather stay invested at the moment um, than necessarily be sitting on cash. Well, I think that naturally brings us to uh, the Savile Standout Statistic, a regular feature of uh, Real Estate Insights, a little nugget of information which sort of enlightens us a little bit. Um, let's start with our most experienced uh, contributor again. Eri, uh, what's your Savile Standout stat this time? I would give you our prediction for uh, uh, the end of the year, what what we expect to be the total uh, volume of investment, uh, of real estate investment in Europe, which... Uh, Due to the uncertainty, I will give you a range. We expect somewhere between 220 billion and 260 billion euro invested in European real estate. Yeah, it's still a lot of money, isn't it, you know, in, in a situation like this? Uh, Tris, uh, you've, this is the third time you've had to come up with, come up with something interesting. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, mine is minus 0.5%, which is the German 10-year government bond yield at the moment. And and the reason why I wanted to sort of use that one, it actually ties in with, you know, very much what we've been talking about, because because actually I suspect that, guys, if you have me back at some point on another podcast later on, um, that I'll be talking about prime yields in the you know, mid-twos, the sort of two and a half percent, basically, in, in Germany and, and, and Paris, basically, in those sort of very core markets, because that it's those it's those bond yields that are driving the yields down, and we've had you know accepted wisdom in the in these core European markets has been three percent for a long time now for a number of years, 
and I can see that tightening up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree with that, Tris. I mean, you know, r- real estate that can mimic a fixed income product fundamentally, so long credit income, low asset management, uh, very low asset management, I think that's very important. Uh, will will absolutely um, trend in in terms of pricing, and I think we're going to see that in London as well. So, uh, Ollie, what's your style of standout stat? Well, I, I've gone with thirty nine percent, which is the um, if we're looking at um, half one twenty twenty central London investment volumes, thirty nine percent of that uh, activity was uh, came from European investors um, for the first half. Um, what does that tell us? I think it probably tells us they've just been consistently here, actually. They're just consistently looking for best-in-class product in London. Thank you all very much for that. Ollie, thank you for being a first-time contributor to Real Estate Insights. And uh, Eri and Tris, uh, great to hear you again. Thank you all for your time and for your wisdom. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to delve more deeply into what we've been talking about, you can do. There's the European or the Spotlight on European Investment Report, which you can find on the research section of the Savills website. For starters, that's savills.co.uk slash research. In the meantime, thank you for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.